and welcome to another new edition of the Goshen News Sports Podcast, Thanksgiving edition. How about that? Uh, Goshen News Sports Editor Austin Huff here as always, Goshen News Sports Reporter with me, Evan Lee Pack. Evan, uh, we are coming uh, to you live from a somewhat warmer we're not live live we are live in this moment talking people listening to it we're not are not listening uh, to us live it's a Brett Musburger thing we should do it Brent or Brett Brent Brent Brent, Brent Musburger you you are looking live at the Rose Bowl Rose Bowl Stadium in Pasadena California I love Brent Musburger I miss him pretty good I miss him um yeah, we're coming to you on Thanksgiving week, and we still have football to talk. That is, uh, that's a good thing. That means a team made it to the state championship game locally, and in fact, they did. The Northridge Football Raiders are playing for the Class 4A state championship Saturday afternoon, 3.30 p.m. Eastern at Lucas Oil Stadium against the Mount Vernon-Fortville Marauders, which I learned how to say last night because I said it wrong, and then Chad Epley corrected me. Um, that's why say? he's a teacher. Marauders. I think I said martyrs. Yeah, I think you said martyrs. It looks like martyrs, but it's marauders. Marauders. Martyr, I'm sure. Which is a form of a raider, so really it's the raiders and the raiders playing, in a sense. It's one of the best mascots. That's a good. It's a good mascot matchup. I'm not gonna lie. Raiders and Marauders. That's a good. You know, it's like you see some of these like they're like the Tigers and the Panthers and the, you know, kind of the boring cliched ones. Like Raiders is, it's a common one, but it's not too common. I feel like Marauders is obviously pretty rare. So that's that's kind of fun. It's kind of fun when you get two different you know nicknames like that. I prefer rare ones. Like I've never heard of a team called the bullfrogs before mm-hmm. horned frogs very close TCU. but if i i mean that's out there i feel what about, like what about the jimmies yeah it's it's bad it's not <laughs> when, good. The, when the pandemic first started last year one of these twitter accounts did like a bracket of the unique uh indiana high school nicknames of teams like you know bracket uh the number one seed was the frankfurt hot dogs that's top one uh their mascot is like a dog who's like angry so it's not like a hot dog sandwich. Like, oh, I said hot dog sandwich. It's a hot dog a sandwich. Uh, <laughs> no, start that debate. Good debate. Um, no, it, they're in the, the Jimtown Jimmies made it. The Concord Minutemen is, there's only one Minutemen in the state that's Concord. But Minutemen's obviously like, not like a common nickname, but it's obviously other, like University of Massachusetts, I believe is the Minutemen. Correct. So, so it's not like a totally uncommon nickname. Um, I'm forgetting some of the other ones. There's a, some really good ones down in the central southern part of the state. So, anyway, let's not talk about, let's not get too deep into the woods, weeds on that uh, debate. Let's focus our attention to Northridge football. Let's first start with the semi-state game from Friday. We were both there. It was cold. Uh, It was a great football game, I think. A great high school football game. Pretty much had everything you would want. I think in a high school football game, you had the drama, you had big plays, you had... The crowd. The crowd was a great, great crowd on hand. Both sidelines, you know, were packed with fans. Um, That was everything I feel like you want in a high school football game. And then you throw in on top of that the semi-state environment, knowing that winner goes to state, everything that goes into that. And, uh, And then it was like, you know, had the dramatic moments at the end. You know, Northridge... With the interception, Tag Gott makes it pick on a play. I, I missed, The pass must have been tipped. Um, Marshall Kamisic, the New Prairie quarterback, 
Um, he must his pass must have been tipped or something. I don't know. Uh, we we could kind of tell from our angle. We were up in the stands. From what I remember, I think he was under pressure. Yeah, a little bit. And he was just trying to get rid of it, and it just so happened that he threw it, and it uh, literally went straight. It literally, to tag there was no one near <laughs> Tag God. It looked like he was throwing the ball to him, um, and that was right after New Prairie had taken over with like five minutes left, and they ran the ball. They got about forty yards on the ground. Um, with their running back, Nick Mungia. I don't know how to say his last name. I think it's Mungia. Mungia. I mean, that's what's confusing about it. I mean, it's kind of a bonehead um, thing to do when you're – because they were running the ball on that drive yeah. with no issues. Like, they should have kept doing that. I'm not sure why they decided to pass there. That's all I'm saying. Right. It was third and 12 from, like, the Northridge 18-yard line. Even if you only, even if you don't get the first down, you get a couple go yards. Go for it on fourth. You got to go for it on fourth down, or you kick a field goal. You probably, I don't I know. I think they're still too far out for. Field I mean, goal. I, they might have a kicker who could kick. I wasn't sure. Their extra points looked good when they kicked the extra points, so maybe they would have gone for a field goal. Regardless, it's a fourth, and in theory, if you have a fourth down, you had gained some yards at that point, and it's fourth and eight or less, and you can either go for it, or you can kick a field goal. You know, you're going like. It's right. Throwing the ball there, especially when your quarterback was one of seven passing before that, you know, no one was really throwing the ball well at that point of the game. Neither team did. Tag got was only five of 13 passing total for the game, and that includes his last two. So at that point, he was three of, you know, three of 10 passing. Like, no quarterback was throwing the ball to save their life because it was 30 degrees. You couldn't really grip the ball, like, to throw it. But they threw it, and it went right into the hands of Gott, ran it back to the 25 yard line. First play after that had a one-yard loss on a run, but then the play that will live in infamy, in his, not infamy, history. <laughs> infamy is the Cade Brenner <laughs> foul for Northwood in the regional. Yeah. The play that will live on in Northridge lore, the 76-yard touchdown pass from Tag Gott to Jethro Hochstetler with a minute 31 left on the clock to give the Raiders the 20-14 lead and the 20-14 victory. In the process, um, so does Hochstetler. I'm just I, I honestly I change between Hochstetler and Hostetler. I think all the time, it's just bad. But like as long as I spell it right, that's all that matters, right? For our they're saying Hochstetler at the game. I remember that. I think it'll just be Hochstetler. That's fine. I'm fine with either. If you say it either, I think people know what you're talking about. So just say their first names. Just Jethro, Jethro Hochstetler. Uh, but it was an it was an incredible pass, in a sense that like he threw it like 30 yards like it was really hard to throw the ball I cannot stress enough like how bad the passing attacks were before that play like this was an improbable moment and of course Jethro catches it and is able to outrun the defenders to the end zone Um, we were sitting there in the stands trying to get stuff in on deadline I think I slapped your arm uh, pretty hard because I was like I just need to move my body to like make sure and it was just a crazy moment it was just a crazy moment like even you, you kind of got caught up in it. It was like, wow, like that is, you know, I, I hesitated all week to say Team of Destiny about Northridge. I think you were kind of a little bit on that train last week before semi-state. And I'm like, no, like I'm not ready to commit. But when they threw a 76-yard touchdown pass with a minute 30 left in 25-degree weather, I was like, hmm, maybe. Team of Destiny. Maybe it's a Team of Destiny. Uh, the Martyrs are also having some Team of Destiny vibes as well. So, like, there's yeah. a lot of Team of Destiny drama coming into this one. Only one team can prevail, and their destiny can be achieved. 
Uh, and then kudos to Northridge. I wrote about the column, like a column about this after the game. Uh, once I thawed out and got home and or could feel my fingers again. Um, just about the big plays that they made. Obviously, the touchdown pass, the interception by Gott, and the touchdown pass by him stand out. But, like, kudos to Chad Epley and that coaching staff for being like, hey, let's not just kick the ball deep and play defense. Like, we see that their kick return has an opening. The New Prairie kick return has an opening. Let's pooch kick it into this one spot and see if we can go get it. And they did that, and they got the ball. Like, that is incredible. And then they, on a fourth and ten, this might be even more of an improbable play than the touchdown pass, but got was scrambling on the fourth and ten at the 32-yard line and throws, an, like, a pass almost ended, like, double coverage, and Jethro Hockstetler catches it for 17 yards and a first down, and that's the ball game. Like, that was an unbelievable play. And I don't know, not that it gets lost in that final couple of minutes, but the touchdown pass will obviously be what people remember because it won the game. But the Hockstetler, the fourth down play sealed it, and that was insane. Like, that was just an incredible play call that moment and incredible trust in a quarterback and a receiver and a team to make a play in that moment. You know, they could have, you know, they're at that, they're at the new Prairie 32. You're really too, you can't really punt. You could, you could try to do like a short punt and maybe pin them at the 10 if you're lucky. Right. Or you can't really kick a field goal. It's 49 yard field goal. Unless you have, you know, Robbie gold or Justin Tucker are back there. Like, Maybe you know, they did. Oh. I the mean, Justin Dylan Ritchie is a nice kid, but I don't think he's making a 49-yarder. I think the only one from our area that could make a 49-yarder is Julio Macias from West Noble, and he's actually signing uh, for college kicking uh, tonight. So there you go. It's going to be a Division One school. That's all we know. That's all we know? That's all I've been told, Division One school. Is he going to be a Boilermaker? He visited Purdue a visited couple times. Purdue. Specul- if you want to speculate, he did visit Purdue twice, so... Anyway, Northridge, uh, just the big plays that they made in those moments. Just can't underscore just how, you know, clutch those were. And, like, again, that kind of goes to the team of destiny type of deal. Like, that That's that was my almost takeaway from the game. I was like, wow, maybe this is – maybe they are going to win next week. There's no – like, on paper, they shouldn't beat Aunt Vernon. There's no – we're going to get to that in a little bit, but, like – Yeah, well, on paper, they weren't supposed to win any game except maybe Columbia City. Right. So, right. That's what I'm saying. Team of destiny. But this team is different. We'll get into it. Yes. As far as the way they run schematics, schematically yes. on offense. Mm-hmm. So that could that could be an issue. So we'll any see. any analysis you want to give about that new Prairie game? I know I kind of rambled there a little bit. So. I mean, you rambled about the most important parts. I did enjoy it. Though. It was very good. It was very fun. Felt um, it felt like a prototypical football weather. Big game atmosphere, all the players with long sleeves, and you could see the breath. And it was on a on a you know a grass field that could have been in better shape, and it just had all the makings of you know how you'd imagine that type of game to be. So it was awesome, and it made it even better that uh, one of our local area teams ended up winning. Right. So. Right, and kudos to New Prairie. They they played a really good game. They. Both teams made mistakes. I think both teams ended up having two turnovers in the game. Like, there obviously, you know, were issues holding penalties or whatever, false starts. Like, there were definitely, like, nerve like nerve things that happened and, like... There's some turnovers, too, that got... Um, that Northridge was able to kind of get past. 
that yeah. early turnover. Well, they fumbled the ball in their first offensive play. And that was very. I mean, I don't even think. I think it would have. I think if there was review, they would have called it an incomplete pass. He never but really had it. To be no, honest. we actually have that picture. We have a picture of it. I think of the Ridge. Ball's like, the ball's coming out of his hands before he even turns. So, yeah, I mean, if this was the NFL, that would have been an incomplete pass, probably. But or even college. Or even college. Any literally any level but high school, basically, who has yep. replay. So, yeah, you know it, that was tough. Um, it felt like maybe the game would change like for good when the referees kind of first signaled that new, that Northridge had recovered a fumble in the second quarter, and then the crowd went crazy, Northridge sideline went crazy, but then they reversed it to New Prairie getting the ball, and then the first play after that was a 39-yard touchdown run by Mangia for, North, for New Prairie. Like, that felt like a moment in the second quarter where you're like, well, crap, like this is... Well, this was so a nice This run. was fun. Yeah. The, magic, the magic runs out here. Like it was gonna, do, it was gonna be some sort of like weird like ref thing that like disrupted the feng shui of the team or something, you know. And I, t- I asked uh, Chad Epley, the coach, after the game about that moment, and he was just like, "Well, apparently the referee like pointed like to the blue shirt of the new Prairie player, which just happened to be the direction that like Northridge was going on, like would have been going the other way if it had been a turnover on, da- you know, a real turnover." So the referee like pointing to the blue shirt, not the actual direction, threw everybody off, and then Northridge had to quickly get their defense back on the field. And Mangia ran 39 yards to the end zone. It was 14-7 New Prairie, like what five minutes left in the second quarter, and you're like, well, yep, this was fun, like great run Northridge, like this has been great, like because it just felt like New Prairie was going to capitalize on that, you know, and they and they did. Northridge pitched a shutout in the second half on defense, and give them credit for that. I mean, that defense once again stepped up to the occasion. Ruthless. Yeah. Relentless. Rich, Rich Howard had 14 tackles. Matt Rutledge had 11. I mean, really good stuff Just by that the, defense. Uh, once again. Stopping that rush every single game and I, during this postseason run. New Prairie still had 200 yards rushing. 213 yards rushing, but they were still held under their average. They've held everyone under their average easily the last five weeks. And, you know, they could probably do that again this week. The big thing about stopping Mount Vernon will be the pass. So... Uh, also, quickly before we move to Mount Vernon talk, uh, shout out Trent Jensen, big boy, big boy touchdown, scored to tie the game, made it 14 all in the late yeah. in the third quarter. I saw him running, and you guys were like super confused. You're like, who was that? You yeah, know? I'm like, uh, I think that was the big, big boy. Epley, Epley said he put that package of plays in about three, four weeks ago, and they hadn't had a chance to run it, and they finally had a time to run it, and uh, boom, there you go, Trent Jensen, big man, 74 touchdown run, good for him. I'm sure he really enjoyed that. He probably Must have been did. a big moment for he him. He probably did, especially in his senior year. So, uh, so they they will uh, they will be playing Mount Vernon, Fortville of Fortville, the Marderers, the Marauders, the Marauders, the Marderers, the Marauders, the Marauders. It's just a form, a type of raider, apparently. Um, you said that too. You looked it up, and it said how to pronounce it. And you still pronounced it wrong. I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust what Google was telling me. Uh, Marauder. They are from Fortville, which is just northeast of Indianapolis. So they will be only having to make about a 30-minute drive to Lucas Oil Stadium. Northridge community coming down from Middlebury will be about two and a half, three-hour drive on Saturday. 3.30 p.m. Eastern. I mentioned that. Uh, The game airs locally, by the way, on Channel 46, WHME. You can also buy the stream online, I believe, IHSA TV, 
dot org. Does this like, does this game give you like uh, Friday Night Lights vibes? Have you seen that movie? I've seen the movie Friday Night Lights. Yes. <laughs> the the state championship where they're playing the team that's like so much bigger than them and like so dominant and one of the best teams. Blah 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 blah. And it's in a dome. Mm-hmm. It's just like who knows, man? Could be fun. If, if we get well, a, if we get a close, well, I was gonna say the team, the the underdog team in Friday Night Lights lost. So, but it was a close game. <laughs> yeah, that'd be. I mean, I I think it will be a good game. I I don't doubt Northridge will be ready to go. It, it would. I I hope it's not a, like a blowout. If it's a blowout, obviously I I would personally prefer to have Northridge win if it's a blowout. But you look at like the five A game and the six A game. This you know with Center Grove and six A and Cathedral and five A like those games probably won't be close. Cathedral will blow out, you know, uh, they're playing Zionsville, and Center Grove will probably blow out Westfield. So, like, you know, but 1A through 4A games could be interesting. I think those could be competitive and close, and we'll see. Um, I'm optimistic. So, let's run through some of the Mount Vernon stats, some numbers for you. Uh, they are 13-1 and one on the season. They were finished number four in the final AP Indiana AP poll for the Class 4A, so they are pretty good. Uh, Obviously, Northridge beat number two Leo on this run, and New Prairie was ranked kind of like 11th-ish, top 10, 11, wherever you wanted to, depending on where you were looking. So they were close. Uh, New uh, Mount Vernon, they lost their first game of the season to Noblesville, 57-36. But since then, they have rattled off 13 straight wins, including five in the postseason. Uh, In the sectional, they beat... Pendleton Heights, 63-28. Greenfield Central, 49-34. And then Connorsville, 70-0. Connorsville was not that good. They were 2-7 in the regular season. The big win for them came in the regional. They beat number one, Ron Colley, 27-21. Ron Colley was a favorite to uh, win 4A, being the number one team. And they have all the history of being Ron Colley, multiple state championships and things like that. And so... Uh, the Marauders were able to upset Ron Colley in the regional round. And then they followed that up with a long road trip to Evansville Memorial last Friday to win the semi-state 42-28. Um, so they're pretty good. They have the 10th highest margin of victory this year, 29.9 points they average per victory. Um, and they have the number one offense in the state in terms of points per game scored at 48.43. Uh, they score a lot, and they beat you both ways. Um, yep, the only team that was able to like slow down, slow them down, like even a little bit, is Ron Colley. And, so, and they were really good. Ron Colley yeah. is really good, and Mount Ver- so Mount Vernon obviously is really good too. Um, their quarterback, Garrig Sloniker, Sl- Sloniker. I'm gonna say Sloniker. It could Sloniker? be Sloniker actually. Slu- Sloniker. S L U N A K E R. If Slonaker. Sheila could talk, we would ask for input, yeah. but she can't. Sheila's, Sheila doesn't talk on this podcast, but she literally cannot talk right now. She <laughs> a, she's dealing with some allergy-related voice issues, so we hope she gets better. Um, Especially for Thanksgiving, so she can talk to all her family and potentially friends. I don't know what Sheila does on I Thanksgiving. I don't know what Sheila does for Thanksgiving. <laughs> anyway, we'll, go back, we'll shift back to uh, Mount Vernon. Fortville. Uh, Greg Sloniker, senior quarterback, has thrown for 2,793 yards and 31 touchdowns with only three interceptions this year. So that's a pretty good stat line. This is the first team that Northridge has played this postseason that has a true throwing threat. Northwood did a little bit 
but they were probably more a run first team. Northwood, I would say. Obviously, the last three games they've played, Leo, Mississinawa, New Prairie, they wanted to run the ball all the time. So this is the first time in at least a month that they are playing a team that likes to throw the ball. So that'll be a kind of a change of pace. The secondary will be asked a lot to do a lot more for Northridge. Uh, those guys back there. I'm going to pull up the starting secondary right now. Hold on one second. This is a dramatic pause. Um, guys like Tyrese Thomas, Cade Sines, Matt Rutledge, and Jethro Hochstetler. Hochstetler. Guys, Hochstetler. guys like those are that is the starting secondary. That is their starting secondary. <laughs> and the backup uh, secondary players, Tyler Gordon, Corbin Collat, Micah Hochstetler is listed on the two deep. He might be playing this week. We'll see. He did mention that yesterday. Landon Troyer as well. So those are going to be the key players, I feel like, for Northridge if they're going to win this game. They, they know they can stop the run. They've done it the last three weeks. Not going to stop the pass. That's going to be a huge, big deal for them. He better wear an ankle brace, let me tell you. Let me, let me say that if you please. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike, it'd be awesome if Micah got to play. I'll say that much. He's Obviously, we're going to have a story on him later this week. Plug. We're going to plug all of our content here in a couple minutes. Um, broke his, not really broke his ankle, but he had ankle surgery after the Plymouth game. Has been out this whole time, but he stayed with the team, and now he has a chance to suit up Saturday and run out the tunnel with his teammates one last time. That's pretty cool, I think. So put the pads on and everything. Especially at uh, it's a nice consolation for having missed the you know last couple months of the regular season and the mm-hmm. postseason, obviously. So yeah, uh, Garrig's Garrig Sloniker's favorite targets on offense. Um, Ashton Gentry is the top choice. He has 50 catches for 1,141 yards and 12 touchdowns. Uh, but their other two primary options are a couple juniors that they have. Eli Bridenthal, 27 catches, 546 yards, five touchdowns. And then George Burhen, 26 catches, 421 yards, and four touchdowns, four receiving touchdowns. Uh, when they don't throw the ball, they also can run it pretty darn effectively too. Uh, Keegan LaBelle, a senior, which is a good name, Keegan LaBelle. That's a good name. Yeah, LaBelle's You cool. know if he wins, if he like wins the state championship for them in some way this week, the headline has to be saved by LaBelle, right? No. No, Sheila says no. No, I mean, like, I'm not going to write that. Boo. But, like, if Mount Vernon wins, like, the Mount Vernon folks can just write about boo that. that. Yeah, it's possible. I'm just you saying. You said we couldn't find anyone t- to jump on this podcast the with Indy us. The Indy Star would be their main person that covers them, but I don't know. They, I don't know how intensely they have covered them this year. So, Keegan LaBelle, 143 rush attempts for 1,518 yards and 24 touchdowns. That's pretty efficient. And then they have another senior, Trayvon Hegler, that has 80 rush attempts for 736 yards on the ground and 12 rushing touchdowns. So they are the most balanced team by far that Northridge has played this postseason. Because it's 200 passing yards and 233 rushing yards, I think I saw, right? For who? For their offense. That's, like their, per a- that's their averages. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty much like that. Yeah, I mean, they, this is, like I said, like the last three weeks specifically, you have played running – Run heavy teams, right? What did Leo have? 350 yards rushing a game. Mississippi was like 325, and New Prairie was like 260 almost, right? So now you're playing a team that runs the ball similarly, but also has the ability to throw it. This is the best offense in the state. Um, and Northridge's defense has been their calling card all postseason. This will be a true test of strengths, basically. You know, which side will be more dominant? And be able to rise up and slow the other one down. So it's time to. Uh Get to the party, as Northridge linebacker Rich Howard likes mm-hmm. to say. 
get to the party, baby. Got to get to the party. Uh, and on the defensive side of the ball, Mount Vernon also pretty solid on that end, uh, given that they only give up about 20 points a game. Yeah, I was going to say that. Thank you. 20 points per game allowed yep. by this uh, Mount Vernon defense. They're not, they've pitched a few shutouts this season against, obviously, bad teams, but they have shown weakness on the defensive side of the ball at times. So that should give a Northridge offense that's been pretty efficient, you know, some good luck against that team. We'll see. I, I'm assuming that they'll be able to score some points. I'd be surprised if they don't. But, uh, yeah, we'll. we'll We'll discuss a few players here. It's it's a really kind of a weird defense when I was looking at the stats. They have a lot of a lot of players who are involved. Like there's only a couple players that really stand out as far as making plays, mm-hmm. which I guess makes sense to an extent. Um, we can go back to Keegan LaBelle. He also plays uh, on the other side of the ball, as most of these players do in high school. When they're your best player, they're going to play both ways. And he leads the team with 100 tackles at the defensive back position. And then we have a couple more seniors, like we've talked about. This team is just filled with seniors at this point as well. A lot of experience. Yeah. And that makes sense if you look, you know, helps their record. You know, if you've been there, have had that experience, you're probably going to win some games. So I got a couple linebackers here that are uh, pretty tough. You got Max, Max Hayes. I'm going to say it's Hayes. H-A-Y-S-E, Hayes. He is 13 and a half tackles for loss. And his fellow linebacker teammate, Owen Johnson, who's also senior, is tied with 13 and a half tackles for loss. They lead the team in that category. And then Owen Johnson also leads the team in sacks with seven and a half. And a couple team stats overall, 92 tackles for loss and 28 sacks, which is both pretty high numbers in high school. From what I've seen in this yep. postseason run, because the other teams that Northridge has played, those numbers haven't stacked up that high. Some of those, so. some of those total numbers obviously have helped help the fact that you've played more games, but still averaging two sacks a game is a pretty good average in high school, I would say. So. Yeah, I would agree. And nine interceptions on the year, five fumble recoveries, so they're not creating a ton of turnovers, but they have the ability to do so. so. Yep. So we'll see what happens. I feel like this game could be like in the 30s. It could be like a 30 to 27 game. If Northridge plays well, don't turn the ball over. If they can slow down Mountain Vernon's passing attack to an extent, you know, to where they're not just throwing the ball over the yard easily, I think I think uh, Northridge could definitely hang with them, especially the time of possession thing. If they right. continue with that, they didn't, it didn't work. They didn't really you know, have that as much against New Prairie. But the games before that, like against Leo, like beating an undefeated right. team like that, they mm-hmm. dominated them in time of possession. Yeah. That's what they're going to have to try to do if, this weekend. If they do what they did against Leo in that regard, right, that it's going to come down to being able to control the clock, keep that explosive offense on the sidelines from Mount Vernon, uh, you know, run. I'm, I'm guessing Tad God's going to get a lot of runs out of the quarterback position. You know, make the throws when you need to. You have two good, two three good solid options there. Jethro, Hochstetler, Kate Signs have been really reliable this postseason, making big catches. Uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fun game, I think. I hope. Uh, and you know, you get the state championship game. You never know what's going to happen. Usually, except when you're in the 
Cathedral or Center Grove games. But um, <laughs> I was like, wait, you just said. I know, except for those before. two. You really don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, 4A this year, you know, it didn't really seem like there was a, like a true, true favorite other than Roncalli, and then they lost. So it's felt wide open the last two, three weeks. And that makes it exciting. That makes you want to be like, well, I don't know who's going to win because both teams have been really good and playing well and good confidence. And, you know, it sounds, you know, kind of like Disney movie-ish to talk about, like, you know, the why not us, Northridge mentality, like, really mattering. But, like, it really has mattered. Like, their belief in that we are, why not us? Like, why can't we win this thing? And that that's a testament to what Coach Epley has built there already in his first season, building upon – what former coach Tom Wogeman had done, and these kids really believe in that. You can't you can't sell that short. I mean, that has gotten them to this point. You know, that belief has rallied them probably at times when, you know, they may not have rallied. You know, if they didn't have that belief, do they even care about playing North Northwood in the fo- in the playoffs in the first round? You know, do they have the belief to go beat Leo? Do they have the belief to go beat New Prairie on the road? You know, that why not us is part of that. And you can't you can't undersell that. So I think that's going to be maybe, a you know, if this game's close in the fourth quarter. I know for sure that Northridge will believe that they can win this football game. Does that mean they will win the football game? No, but it, I know they will believe that they can. And that is, you know, that's strong. That's a good feeling to have if you're a Northridge player and fan watching on Saturday afternoon. So it's one of the rare instances where. The uh, random draw and everyone makes the playoffs was uh, actually a good thing. Right. Everyone getting in. I don't mind everyone getting in, personally, um, if you can do it. But It's just the uh, the way the brackets are set up sometimes that you don't like. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, uh, we will have plenty of content for Northridge football this week, obviously. One story. One story. That's just one it. Story. That's <laughs> um, Wednesday newspaper will have a story on Micah Hockstetler, like we were talking about. And uh, Evan Carr, the starting left tackle, have a story coming about him. Um, his dad's a coach on the team. His younger brother's also a sophomore on the team. And uh, uh, Evan's grandfather, Dustin's father-in-law, passed away right after uh, Sunday after the Leo game. And so they've been kind of honoring him. And they used to go to Colts games all the time when they were kids. So to be able to play at the Colts stadium is like a really cool moment for Evan and all that stuff. So we'll have that story for Wednesday as well. It's a cool moment for this Evan as well. It's also a cool moment for, yes, Evan Lee Pack as well. And Evan Carr. Uh, and then Friday, we will have a special page, sort of, a special front page of the sports section featuring the game preview, rosters of both teams, the statistical leaders for both teams, their whole schedules to get here. Uh, it's going to look really cool, I think. We're going to have a fun little page coming when, on Friday. And then a Saturday newspaper will have a nice profile on Chad Epley, the head coach, who is 27 years old, man. He's only six, seven weeks older than me, and he's uh, coaching for the state championship Saturday. First so. season as head coach, and here it's he is. It's also the first season uh, as head coach for the Mount Vernon head coach. Let me pull up his name. Hold on one second. Oh, I just had it. Uh, Vince Liddy. That's pretty Vince Liddy. Vince Liddy. <laughs> and this will be the only the fifth time in state history that a coach will win a state title in their first uh, year as a head coach. So not only is this the first time Northridge and Mount Vernon have both played for the football state championship, but they both have first-year head coaches. So there's about to be some history made on Saturday, Saturday afternoon at Lucas Oil Stadium. 
the home of the Indianapolis Colts. It's pretty cool, man. I'm looking forward to it. I really am. This is this is stuff that gets you excited in this job, covering games like this. It's one of the rare instances, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never excited, but for this game. Um, quickly, uh, we have some other high school football news we have to talk about. Um, Kyle Park is uh, no longer the head coach at Goshen High School football after eight seasons. They went uh, 22 and 57 in those eight years. Um, he. In a letter, he said that uh, after talking to the administration that he was asked to step down as head coach. So you could read between the lines of what happened there. And, uh, yeah, I, I I shouldn't say I was surprised necessarily because obviously the on-the-field you know, production hasn't been great in the last couple of years. They had an 8-3 season in 2016, and then – you know, didn't really sustain it. One and nine and eighteen, one and nine in twenty nineteen, one and six in twenty twenty, four and six this year. And their four wins, you know, two of them came against winless teams. So you know, they weren't really like winning a lot and struggling, obviously that overall record is not great, twenty two fifty seven. But you could have argued that there was some progress being made after this year. They beat the teams they were supposed to beat, right? Like they didn't do that the last couple of years, but this year they beat Wallasee, they beat Plymouth, they beat Fairfield, right? Clay, sure, like that happened too. We, they're not really a team, but like that's fine. Um, yeah, I was a little surprised in a sense, not surprised because the overall record isn't good and participation numbers have been going down. But you could have argued that this was getting maybe this was trending. The junior class this year was good. Going into their senior year, maybe they make another step. I'm not saying they're going to like win the NLC next year, but like maybe they can contend a little bit more. I don't know. It just seemed uh, interesting. Evan, what was maybe your reaction when the news came out Monday morning? Um. Well, I mean, obviously the writing isn't on the wall. I think Kyle Park is a good person. Cares, well, yeah. Cares a lot about the program, mm-hmm. cares a lot about the kids. But uh, after a while... You know, you're only given so much time before results need to start coming. You only had you only had the one winning season. Yep. In eight went, years. Yep. Because they went five and five in 2015, so they were five and four in the regular season, but lost in the postseason. So. Right. So I mean, that's just it's not going to cut it. I feel like he was given an ample amount of time to potentially get the program to where it needed to be, but it just hasn't happened. So it is what it is, mm-hmm. but it, yeah. I mean, if it seemed like it's something certain people in the community wanted. I guess you know, if you were to look at the comments on Facebook, yeah. were all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just say that. Um, so some good, some bad. So it'd be interesting to see um, how Goshen goes about replacing him. Yep they um, they have traditionally hired from within. At Goshen in recent years. Well, maybe they should uh, do something different. I'm guessing they're. I'm guessing if the issue is participation numbers, they won't keep someone who's already been there. Right? You want to bring someone in maybe with some fresh energy, fresh blood, gets the program excitement levels back up. I don't know who that is. I know there's names that people will speculate about, and we won't do that on here yet. Um, we got to get our list together. Like, I'm getting yeah. my list together for Florida's replacement. Oh, yeah. Thoughts you and know. prayers. We'll get to Missouri, Florida in a minute. Hold <laughs> on. Uh, yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Kyle's always a good guy. You know, obviously we're in a position, you and I, where we have to talk to him every week, you know, during the week for preseason or previews of the games and post-game we cover every game. So, you know, I did countless interviews with Kyle the last year or so. Um, I, I, you know, can't thank him enough for, like, dealing with me. Like, I joke with, like, oh, dealing with us. But, like, you know, that is a burden to, like, have to talk to media every week. You know, and the, they're, they're one of the few programs in the area that has to deal with that. You know, I only talked to Chad Epley a couple times during the season. You know, and he, Park's got to talk to me every week. So, and when he doesn't want to talk to me, probably. So, I I respected him for always being a good guy about that, good person, always respectful with my time. And, uh, and I tried to be respectful about his time, too. So, um, you know, I just, just at the end of the day, they didn't win. They didn't win enough. And, you know, it's just happened to be that this was his time. Um, I don't think anyone questions the man he is, the person he is, the coach, like the, you know, like any of that stuff. But it just at the end of the day, you know, 22 and 57 is 22 and 57. And they didn't have a freshman team this year. So when you don't have a freshman football team, like you're, you start wondering, like, where are the numbers? Why are we, why is the program so much smaller than what it was? Especially for a big school like Goshen. Goshen's one of the bigger schools in the state. They're a 5A school, you know, so that number has to get back up. And I don't I don't know. That's the main task for whoever gets hired next, so. Just not enough excitement. I feel like that's the biggest kind of program's kind of gotten, you know, stagnant, mm-hmm. basically, with kids interested because they've been losing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's probably the biggest problem. So, we'll see who they hire next. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some names, like I said, thrown around, and we'll obviously be talking about that once they hire a coach. So, Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen can coach Goshen High School. Could uh, you imagine? <laughs> no. Um, no. That'd be hilarious. I'd pay to see that. Um, I mean, his bio's big enough. He doesn't need another big job. Right. He gets yeah. to go back to help the community. Yeah, help a small community. Uh, let's quickly talk a little bit about uh, boys' basketball season starting tonight. Just, that's fun. Tuesday night, boys' basketball season is uh, underway. We have a, a couple interesting games this week I wanted to highlight. Uh, Westview... At Bethany start tonight. That's a fun game. Uh, will be interesting to see what Rob Yoder does. His first year back coaching Westview. Bethany Christian has more talent returning this year. Beck Willems, Tyson Chupp. They could be a little scrappy. Scrappy? A little scrappy. <laughs> That's what I'm going with. Um, Wallace C. Fairfield, also an interesting Tuesday night game, in my opinion. Uh, Fairfield, new coach and Derek Heinen. New players, the Wright brothers from Benton Homeschool that we have written extensively about uh, the last couple of years. Um, how will they look on the court? Wallace C, they come back. You know, they were decent last year. Keaton Dukes is a senior this year. John Everingham, will, what will he look like? You know, I, I, that could be a really fun game. We're going to both be at that one. It'll be fun. Keaton Dukes, one of my favorite players in the area, the mm-hmm. way he plays style of play just big fan so yeah looking forward to see how much more he can progress in his final year yeah I think Fairfield is our most intriguing team this year just with all the different pieces there the new pieces um them and honestly Goshen could be kind of intriguing this year too if they Concord and Concord we got a lot of intrigue they're getting a a player back from Elkhart who played at Elkhart last year Mm -hmm. averaged nine points per game a lot of intrigue but he played at Concord before, so he's coming back. Yes. Malachi Emmons. Yeah. So mm-hmm. even more even more experience. They mm-hmm. just have a ton of experience. 
I expect that. I'd be shocked if that team doesn't finish over 500. Concord, so. op- Concord opens up their season Wednesday at Prairie Heights. So. Well, that's going to be a slaughter. They should win that game. Prairie Heights isn't as good as they were a couple of years ago when they had a couple of nice players, but you never know. Road game Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, you know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, also Wednesday night, Lakeland at Northwood. So you got that one. That I don't know. Uh, Lakeland's going to be eh. Especially earlier, they're going to be eh. So this is a nice, hopefully, opener for Northwood at home. And uh, we'll see how they look. That They're a team, I think, that uh, I think they're going to be our best team. I I would... Obviously, them and Warsaw are the NLC favorites. I would say yeah. this year, Brenner and Roush, obviously are going to be, Roush. you know, close enough. <laughs> it's the two A's, the O. It's mm-hmm. names are hard. Okay, that's all yeah. I got to say. Lee Peck and Huff. Anyway, those two guys obviously averaged double digits last year, and they're going to be the guys. Mm-hmm. But the question mark will be: got to get. They have other players who have plenty of experience from last year. But they were more role players, so now they're right. going to have to step up because they're going to need some more production from them. Cooper so. Weens, Jamar Jackson, those are two yep. guys I got my eyes on this year. Need to make a big step. They were good players last year, but they need to make another step this year to be, you know, if Northwood wants to get where they think they can get, where I think they could get, which is semi-state, they're going to have to have those guys really step up and play right. well. Yep, got Bontrager as well. And Bontrager, Chaz yep. Yoder. Mm-hmm. So those those are a couple guys that. Yep. Everyone's just going to have to. Elevate their game a little bit. Goshen, Goshen boys basketball starts their season Saturday night against Fairfield at home. So that'll be an interesting game too, I think, as well. Say like Goshen. That Goshen. At well, Goshen. I like Goshen too. The pieces they have co- coming back. Drew Hogan, Deacon Hill, Gage Worthman. I just don't they know shooters. what they're going to do inside mm-hmm. in the post. Ryan Eldridge and uh, Leighton Weddle might be their two most important players this year, just in terms of like if they can get going down low, that opens up Hogan. Bechtel, Worthman, Hill, all their shooters to be able to do some things. So, you know, it's going to really be, come down to Eldridge and and uh, Weddle down low, see if they can get any point paints, spread out the court, and, you know, make them efficient. So the NLC will be really fun this year. This could be a really fun NLC, except Plymouth. Like, they're the only one I don't think will be fun. Everyone else could be fun. Um, Northridge is going to be interesting, too, because, you know, Missing their best players from right. last year, so and and all their you know some of their key returning players this year are still playing football. So again, I don't think we can get a true test of what Northridge is until like late December, early January, because those guys are going to still be coming down from football, you know, trying to get back into basketball shape. And I, Northridge, take a month. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna focus on what your record is at the end of December, January. Then we're starting to get serious. So, um, so yeah, good, good. Good, uh, you know, first week of games coming up here should be in- interesting, and we c- we will officially start full time covering the winter sports next week. We still got football this week, so that's exciting. Um, shifting to collegiate football quickly, Notre Dame. Uh, we don't really need to talk about fifty five nothing over George Tech. That was a slaughter. Congratulations to the seniors for winning on Senior Day. It's great. Yeah, we're. Myron Tagovailoa, Mosa with a touchdown run. Scoop and score. Yeah, that's great, man. Good for him, the big fella. Um, Jack Kaiser, his second pick six of the year. Mm -hmm. Jack Cohn looked efficient. Basically, only played a half, though. Yep. Because Georgia Tech is god-awful. Yep. So, um, So. Notre Dame will obviously now be going to the college football playoff because uh, 
this year has been chaotic, and they will somehow find a way to be the four seed. I'm just convinced that's going to happen. And there's really only two results that need to happen in my brain for them to get in. Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State this week. Georgia beats Alabama next week in the SEC championship game. Notre Dame's the four seed. Cincinnati goes up to three. Ohio State or Michigan, whoever wins that game, wins the Big Ten championship game. They're number two seed. Georgia number one. Say Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma. Who do they play in the Big 12 championship? I don't know, to be honest. It would be maybe Baylor. Because Baylor only has one loss, I believe, as well. So even if Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma, they could still lose next week, the next week, and Notre Dame would still have a chance. I think Notre Dame will take... like I think if it came down to like one loss Notre Dame and a one loss Big 12 champion, I think they're going to take Notre Dame. Because Notre Dame's one loss is Cincinnati, who in this scenario is the three seed. I feel like your head is all jumbled and doesn't make any sense. Because why would why would they take a, a a team that hadn't won a championship over a team that did win a championship? Because Notre Dame is Notre Dame. Notre Dame has been playing very well the last couple of weeks. Like since the bye week, they really have figured it out. They have played very well. They've I also just played I hot just think garbage. that like there's enough carnage going. Like the the key result is Georgia beating Alabama. That's the key result. That will set everything in motion here, because Ohio State and Michigan will play basically play each other. Like whoever wins that, whoever loses that, I should say, is out. So the Big Ten will have one team, unless Wisconsin then beats Ohio State or Michigan in the Big Twelve champion, Big Ten championship game. Then then that really makes then sense. Then it's really complicated. Um, but I think Notre Dame is going to somehow sneak their way into the four seed. I just. Unless Bama beats Georgia, that's the only way I think that Notre Dame doesn't really find a way to get in at this point. Or Oklahoma State like destroys OU and they destroy Baylor in the Big 12 title game, and they, they like it's obvious they have to take them. If it's close, I think Notre Dame gets in over Oklahoma State. It's too bad they're not playing someone good this week. You know, Notre yeah. Dame. Notre Dame had the opportunity to beat a ranked team that helped them a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, Stanford is pretty sad. Stanford's three bad. And eight, three and eight. And then they just have to sit there and wait during championship weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, th- I have a feeling they're going to get screwed and be the one team on the outside looking at number five. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll see what the, happens. The rankings tonight, we're taping this before the playoff rankings came out. They're going to be seven. They sh- they'll be six. They sh- the rankings should read. They should are s- six. Yeah, wait, seventh wait, right now. Wait, they wait, should wait, read. wait, wait, wait. They're seventh right now? Yeah. I thought they were eight. Michigan State was seven. Michigan wow. State's lost. They're going to be seven. Yeah, they're going to be seven. No, well, it Oregon depends on what Oregon does. How, yeah, because Oregon's going to go the, back. The top six in this order should go. Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, Cincinnati, Michigan. Michigan, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Notre Dame should be six. Now, I am of the belief that the committee will put Michigan fourth because that's what they do. They want people to talk about the rankings, so they're going to put Michigan fourth and Cincinnati fifth, and then Notre Dame sixth. Notre Dame will be sixth, regardless. Loser of Ohio State Michigan, out. So Notre Dame goes up to five by default next week. And then if Georgia beats Alabama, boom, down goes Alabama. Notre Dame goes into four, Cincinnati three, Ohio State two, Georgia one. Orange Bowl is Georgia, Notre Dame. Cotton Bowl is Cincinnati and Ohio. Boom. The Ohio Bobcats? Mm-hmm. Cincinnati and Ohio State. 
<laughs> Boom. Done. There you go. Just spoken into existence. So That would be insane. It would be insane. It would really be insane. And Notre Dame would lose 49 to 10 to Georgia and all the same questions we've asked for years would happen again. And that's fine because they're fair questions. Like, how did this Notre Dame get to this level? You know, but... Yeah, yeah. If, if the national championship isn't Georgia versus Ohio State, I will be disappointed, to be honest, as a, just a college football fan. I wouldn't mind Cincinnati. That'd be fun for the storyline. They played in the Peach Bowl Please, last year. No. no. Georgia's destroying whoever they play. No. Probably. Ohio, Ohio State has the best chance to the beat them. the second best team. Because right their now. offense is really good, but like Georgia will still win that game 24 10. Maybe like 31 17. I Georgia is that. winning every game. I don't think Georgia loses. Like Georgia's going to win this. Whole That's thing. what I've been saying for a while. I believe it too. But no I one, yeah, just want at least a semi-competitive uh, national championship game. I would too. So, anyway, Notre Dame. We'll see what happens this week. They could just lose to Stanford and just really like eliminate all of this, but they won't. They'll end up in Orlando uh, at, the, like the at the Bowl. Citrus Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. Okay. Uh, Missouri twenty-four. Florida 23. That's all I gotta say. M I Z. Joke's on you because Eli Drinkowitz is still your coach. Hey, joke's on who's your coach? Thankfully, oh, yeah. not Dan Interim, Roll interim running back, head coach. What's his name? Who's the interim coach for Florida this week? I'm not gonna say his name. Hey, hey, what bowl game is Florida going to this year? Oh wait, probably not going to. Oh wait, yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> I wouldn't even want them to anymore. I don't care. <laughs> like, who cares? Missouri's going to a bowl game. Not to brag. You can enjoy watching the Birmingham Bowl. Absolutely. Maybe. You probably won't even watch it. Maybe it depends on what my schedule is that day. <laughs> work, work might take me not away from watching the Birmingham Bowl. But hey, all I know is that since Evan and I have become coworkers. In the two kind of major college sports, Missouri beat Florida on a buzzer beater in men's basketball, and then we beat them on a buzzer beater of a two-point conversion in overtime against uh, in football on Saturday. So uh, Missouri, all-time, by the way, leads the all-time series over Florida, 6-5 to five in football now. Not to brag. It was like a shameless plug right there. Well, and just enjoy the um, college basketball bragging rights for now. Yeah, because it's not going to last I will very milk long. This for so long, <laughs> I will milk this until we play Florida in foot basketball on like February fifth or whatever the game is. Oh yeah, I will enjoy every second of this. Yeah, I don't even know when they play. It's in February. I know that. So is it at Missouri? Mm-hmm. Missouri's going to be like eight and fifteen by that point, dude, or eight and ten. Like they're going to be bad. Like uh, it'll be like eight and fifteen. They don't play that many games, or they. I don't know. Whatever. They're going to be bad. 31 games. They're going to be bad. It's fine. And that's okay. But we have it for now. Anyway. uh, M-I-Z. Happy Thanksgiving. Do you have anyone you want to give thanks to before we head out here? I would like to give thanks to Sheila. (laughs) Yeah. I I want to thank Sheila, too. She does a great job. But... Dealing with our stuff all week. I do want to say thanks to Sheila, but it probably wasn't the first person I wanted to say thank you to. My thank, my thanks power ranking. Sheila, mom, dad. <laughs> yeah, right. Could you imagine? <laughs> it's it's Sheila one, and then you go down all the way right. really far, and then it's my parents. And it's the Missouri football team, and then it's uh yeah, yeah. Anyone want to give a shout out to? Thanks. Um, Thankful for, for another day, breathing oxygen. That's good. Thankful for a job. That's fairly stable. 
Um, mm-hmm. Friends and family. Health for the most part. Yeah, so I mean, I can't... I guess there's a lot of things I'm thankful for, thankfully. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, thankful for a lot of those same things as well. So, very thankful that we are get to do this uh, fun little podcast every week and have a... F- have a f- uh, thankful to, you know, that... You weren't the worst person in the world when we hired you, so that's good. You know? That is good, I think. I was ner- and I'm not like I was nervous, but it was like, you know, this will be interesting, having a coworker my own age for the first time, like, ever. So that's been fun. So thank- I'm thankful for you for not being awful, for, Sh- being, for being pretty enjoyable to work with, I will say. You should have hired uh, some old guy, 60-year-old. No, I'm good. I'm I'm enjoying having a fun coworker. No, I'm so, good. <laughs> I, and of course, I'm thankful for my parents and family and all the people who support me all all throughout the years. And uh, you know, couldn't do without their support and love and their financial support more than anything. But uh, yeah, so uh, thankful for them and uh, glad to be able to do this uh, profession that I love a lot. And you know, thankful that I get to do it at a high level, like how we get to do it on Saturday. That's fun. This is. Sometimes you're not, you know, you're so caught up in the work of everything, you don't take the time to really appreciate where you're at and what you're doing and how cool this is. And, you know, this will all be normal at some point. Like, I hope to God I get to a point where my job where, like, covering big games is a relatively normal occurrence, but it's still pretty new. You know, I got lucky to cover the college football playoff a couple years ago. Um, High school, I've covered state championship games before, but, you know, it's still pretty new. It's still pretty cool to me. And I, I want to try to enjoy that as much as I can this weekend, along with, you know, writing 300 stories and editing photos and, like, all the chaos of work that will go into it. But you got to really remember to appreciate what we have, and this job is kind of fun. You know, we get, we're getting paid to watch football on Saturday. That's, that's pretty cool. So. Agreed. Cool. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll be back next week to recap, obviously, all of the Northridge football state championship content and the game and everything, and then we'll get uh, kind of start setting the stage for uh, winter sports even more. So we'll be back to talk more about all that next week.